Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we provide the hottest takes on the internet's least important news stories. I'm Matt Heron. I'm Jeff. I'm Louisa Heron. I hiccuped, right, as uh, you were starting, and I hope it wasn't going to continue on, and I think I'm good. Okay. You've used your superior brain to control your bodily functions. Yeah. Mind over matter. Yeah. You're like a Benny Gesserit monk who has control over every muscle in their body. Yeah. The monks in there, too? I don't know. They, I think they refer to the nuns as Benny Gesserit monks sometimes in the books. Mm. Hey, yeah, I guess witches is the derogatory. <laughs> yeah. I could be wrong, but I, I, the phrase Benny Gesserit monk sound, seems like I've heard it before. It sounds true. Yeah. It does Which sound true. The same thing as being true. Yeah, that's what <laughs> our podcast is mostly about, things that sound true. Yeah. Um, so, guys, I have a little game for you, Uh-oh. based on the discussion we had at the beginning, before we started recording this podcast. About eating I'm poison? Going... No, before that, okay. I'm going to tell you a band that covered the Guess Who song, American Woman, okay. and I would like you to tell me what year, or decade, that cover was in. You okay, got it, I think man. I know one of them, but it might be so obvious that you haven't included it, but we'll see. All right, let's start with, do you guys know what year specifically the Guess Who released American Woman? 69. Nice. Uh, I'm going to say 71. Man, if you guys split the difference, Damn. it's 1970. Damn. <clears throat> no one wants to guess the even decade ones ever. Yeah. Of course you know? not, no. N- nothing happens in these years. Yep. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, what year did the band Boombastic release a cover of American Woman? Hmm, I'm thinking about Shaggy, but that's clearly wrong. 1994. I'm going to say, this might be a disco thing, so I'm going to say 78. 2012. Damn! Damn. <laughs> uh, I'm, now I'm... Second guessing which one Louisa thinks is too obvious. It might not even be on my list. <laughs> well, there was, yeah, I don't think it is. It's just one person who covered it. Okay. Well, I mean, I've got some of those. Okay. <laughs> is it Randy Bachman? <laughs> no. <laughs> From okay. Bachman Turner Overdrive? Is it Lenny Kravitz? Yes. The, the of course one? it is. Okay, yeah. okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> With Heather Graham in the video because it was for yes. uh, uh, Austin, Austin Powers. Powers. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I didn't remember that part of it that's crazy <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> all right how about ringo star Ooh. oh no what I, decade I, did ringo star release a cover of american woman i'm getting depressed thinking about what kind of bouncy upbeat cover of the song he would make <laughs> mm-hmm. 1982 like, american woman you're a fun octopus that's my friend yeah uh, i think jeff's on the right track but i'm gonna say 1986 1993. Wow. I didn't even know he was still doing music in the 90s, but fine. He's still currently doing music. Is he? I thought he was like, now he was just trying to catch up on fan mail for the rest of his life or something. (laughs) Yeah, he's going back and trying to watch all of Star Trek. 20 years ago. Yeah. Man, can you imagine how great it would be if Ringo Starr said, I'm retiring to just wa- to watch all of the TV that I missed when I was famous? <laughs> I would love uh, that for him. It would be so good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, okay, how about a little band called The Cat and the Owl? 
Oh, that sounds like a real uh, Mumford and Sons era type of bullshit. I'm going to say 2011. 2015. 2018. Mm. Jeff is the closest without going over, (laughs) which is now the rules, I guess. All right. All right. And finally, the last one. Uh, the Butthole Surfers. Oh, yeah. Mm, uh, 95. 93. Haha, this was a trick. This was their f- very first album in 1985. Damn. Uh, who knew they were around in the 80s? Yeah, it Pretty seems good. right. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I, the only songs I can remember of theirs were from the 90s. I feel like throughout the course of music, popular music history... You get famous either when you're, like, 12 years old, and then mm-hmm. you, you try to stay famous, and some people can do it, or you get famous for a song that's off your fourth album, and your band has been together for 12 years. That's true. I guess that's true. I mean, you're just talking about musicians now, not all famous people. No, just pop music. Just the history of pop music. Just pop music. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Yes. I do think I feel bad for people who've been sort of grinding it out in low levels of popularity and then have one smash hit and yeah. then you don't know what they're getting. Like, what was the band Bowling for Soup I felt this way about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they'd just been working at being like a sort of mediocre novelty band for so long and then suddenly, not Stacey's Bond. 1985. <laughs> yes, that's the one. And they write their own music, but they did not write 1985. So that's a yep. kicker, huh? Very yeah, funny. That sucks. But, but now that guy is yeah, the voice of Chuck E. Cheese. Jared, so Jared is good. Chuck E. Cheese, so who's yeah. laughing now, I guess? But what about the rest of them? They, they they're, still tour? Yeah, they're still a going concern. I've seen them a couple times. Is there is their bass player like a gigantic man? Just like huge I in think every that's dimension? their drummer. All, yes. drummer. all of the members of the band are uh, now very large. Uh, As they said in their song, we're getting older and we're getting wider. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Jarrett, when I saw him at Warped Tour, introduced himself uh, by saying, I know I look like I ate the guy from Bowling for Soup. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even talking about, like, being fat or whatever. I'm (laughs) saying specifically there's a man who is also very tall and large like the mountain from game of thrones mm. yeah everything i think that's their drummer okay i mean that makes sense you if you had the mountain from game of thrones in your band he would probably be the drummer right yeah oh i would... i would make him the swordsman mm. oh pretty clever but <laughs> think about how he, think about how he drums god damn it louisa let me make my joke <laughs> no let her uh, make her joke she's funny okay, you go do your joke <laughs> I said he'd chop people in half when they're trying to get on stage because they love the band so much. Yeah, that's that's I do like that. I was going to say, think about how he drums on that guy's head from The Last of Us until it implodes, though. Mm, got him. Take that, What's Pedro that guy's Pascal. Name? Pa- Pedro Pascal, that's his name. The Red Viper uh, of that, Thorn. That is such an upsetting scene in Game of Thrones. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. um, So, Jeff. Oh. <laughs> what's been uh what's been keeping you going this week mm-hmm. i have done a bunch of stuff this week i've been reading books i uh i think pokemon go fest is probably the thing to chat about though ah. okay uh so so pokemon... this is a game that i yeah. stopped playing in 2017 uh-huh. but you are still enjoying it you have been the whole time 
Not the whole time. Uh, I got back into it when I started dating Sam two years ago because they were playing it. Um, and I've been keeping up with it since then. It's a good walking around game if you live in a densely populated enough area that there mm-hmm. are reasons to walk around and Pokestops nearby. Um, which, you know, is kind of kind of makes it exclusive if you live in a less populated or rural area. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's a little better for suburbs now. I think there's enough Pokestops around, but anyway, uh, the I guess for those who don't know, if you missed it or stopped playing it or whatever, uh, Pokemon Go is a game where you get it on your phone and there's it GPS tracks where you are, and you can look at your phone and see a map of where you are with a little avatar of you walking around uh, and catch Pokemon that are near you, um, and you can also spin. Uh, little signs of, like, nearby landmarks uh, that have been designated as Poke Stops and get items like berries and Pokeballs. Uh, you also will get research tasks from these, such as, like, make an excellent throw uh, or catch five Pokemon. Like a rug? Yeah, make an make excellent a, throw rug. rug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, learn uh, macrame while you uh, play this game. Uh, I do wish with with games like this that are like designed to waste your minutes of your life that there was some tangible skill you gained from them. Yeah, I mostly use it to kill time walking around. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um I remember I was annoyed when the game came out because uh where I parked for work was about 50 feet too far away from a nearby Pokestop to like uh hit the bell. And I'm like, I'm not getting out of my car and walking 50 feet that way every day to do this, so this yeah. is not worth it. Ugh, so yeah. frustrating. Towards the beginning of the pandemic, they doubled the range for spinning Pokestops. Nice. And when they were thinking about reducing it back to the original size, people were so mad that they're like, okay, we'll keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Um, but Pokemon Go Fest was a big in-person event. On Randall's Island, which is the, uh, the little island between Manhattan and Queens. Um, if you go over the RFK Bridge, uh, I'm pretty sure the Kennedys are from Massachusetts, so I don't know why we have a bridge named after Robert also, F. Kennedy. All of them are, were awful? Is that true? I don't uh, know. I think the original R- J and R uh, both died er- early enough in their careers that. Uh, any awfulness was mostly, um, you know, just beginning. Yeah. I mean, John F. Kennedy was pretty awful to people in his personal life. Yeah. yeah. Specifically women. I mean, that's most presidents and politicians, right? Yeah. Yeah, does that, does that give him a, does that make it okay somehow? Uh, in the uh, context of him being- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it does make it okay to to be like that. Not I don't think okay, it makes it, but it still yeah. means you could get a bridge named after you. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, in the like in the context of being from a political dynasty, he's practically an angel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if RFK was bad. I don't know anything about that guy except that he died. <laughs> I wonder um, if there are any bridges named after non awful people. There's Walt Whitman Bridge. He was okay, wasn't he? <laughs> Yes, I think he was okay. Yeah. If, I don't know. if you say you don't like him, you're homophobic. Oh, okay. I didn't realize <laughs> so that. So be careful. 
There's a rest stop on the New Jersey Turnpike near me that's named after Joyce Kilmer. Do you guys know who Joyce Kilmer is? No. I do. I Some kind of general, because everything in central New Jersey Correct. is named after Joyce Kilmer. <laughs> yes, but you are incorrect that he is a general. He was a... He was in the army during World War One, uh, but he wrote that poem, uh, I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, I know around here at, like, the Walt Whitman Bridge, there was the initiative to have it be, like, notable cultural people rather than just mm-hmm. politicians and such. Yeah, I love that. And they even, they have that poem on a plaque in the rest stop. And every time I drive past it, I'm like, thanks for being, like, the one... <laughs> probably fine person <laughs> who has a thing named after them i had assumed because there's an army base near rutgers that is the like or air force or something the joyce kilmer uh army base or whatever it is uh that he was a bad person but this is nice to know yeah apparently he was a pacifist and didn't want to go to war but had to and wrote poems about how nice nature is and how it sucks that mankind is ruining it oh. Well, I'm now sad for him that he has a military base named after him. Are you sure it's named after Joyce Kilmer? I remember that there's a Kilmer base, but it might be a different person. I don't know. I thought it was the Joyce Kilmer whatever base. I don't remember what branch. Let's see. Joyce Kilmer base. Uh, Camp Kilmer. Joyce Kilmer based. Oh, yeah. Joyce Kilmer is based. That's true. He, yes, that is true. Uh-huh. Camp Kilmer, is that uh, named after him? Yes, Camp Kilmer is named after him. It's a U.S. Army camp. Weird. Uh, What's it was... the difference between an army camp and an army base, does anyone know? I do not know. Uh, it oh, was, was a... he sent there? Was he sent there when he... No, no, it was, it, was, it was activated as part of World War II in 1942. He was killed in World War I. Yes. Uh, so it's a case of, we know what this dead person would have wanted us to do, and then doing something they definitely would not have wanted you to do. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. It's just like, he's a famous person who went to war and is from nearby, so we're naming it after him. Mm-hmm. There um, must be famous people from South Jersey who also loved war and wanted to go to war, though, right? I feel like everyone I meet around here wants to go to war. Yeah. Plus, if you pick someone from Revolutionary War times, uh, you can pretend that they really love the war no matter what. Nobody knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's some bridges named after, like, John Brown, an unambiguously oh, heroic true. historical figure. <laughs> Yes, that is that is a good point. Like, the worst thing you could say about him is that he was a bit of a religious zealot, but his religious zealotry made him kill slave owners and free enslaved people. So, that's good. Yeah. That is true. Is Okay, we've definitely talked about this before, but is Brooklyn named after a person? Uh, where Brooklyn at? Hold on, let me, I'm googling Brooklyn. I don't know that this is good <laughs> podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> Me I, googling. I doubt it. Uh, it's named after the the, the Dutch town, uh, Brukelen. That's B R E U K E L E N. Okay. Interesting. So, where are you that's going not with that, Matt? Oh, okay. I was just wondering if it was a, named after a person and if they were terrible. Now I'm trying to think about all the bridges in New York and seeing if they're all named after terrible people. Uh, I know that they renamed the. Tappan Zee Bridge, the Mario Cuomo Bridge, is that right? Yeah, nobody calls it that. Yeah, though. nobody calls it that. Yeah, because sure. he sucks so bad. Yeah, Andrew Cuomo was the only one who wanted that 
a bridge named after renamed after his dad. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, you remember when the Cuomo brothers were both like one was in charge of New York and the other one was a newscaster and they kept on like doing newscasts where they were like, hey, it's pretty like razzing each other or whatever as brothers. Ugh, how disgusting was that? Yeah, uh, Chris Cuomo had to resign in uh, shame Disgrace, because he had yeah. uh, he had <laughs> covered up some of his uh, his brother's Italianness. I'm not perverted. Yes, you mean mob ties? No, I'm not perverted. I'm just Italian. Was the thing he famously said in defense of his sexual harassment uh, allegations. Uh, yes. Um, I think Ed Koch was probably good. No, that can't be true. He was in Ghostbusters. <laughs> I think he was good. Ah, we're back. We've come full circle. I think he was good in a politician scale. So you name a bridge after him, or you say Ed Koch was a pretty good New York City mayor. Right? I mean, he was he was also gay with, in New York in the 80s, which makes me, like, automatically have some sympathy towards him where he was probably not the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, know, I do right? find... I find that I am in the world that conservatives complain about where if I hear something is happening and it's a white man, I assume that that person is the problem. But if it's any other person, any other gender or race or identity i'm instantly like mm, i'm gonna hear them out <laughs> yeah uh i wonder uh yeah i don't know That's i think problem, that he though, is isn't it? i think there's he's his... people who will oh sorry no go ahead there's always people who will um cross lines for their own benefit i'm thinking of yeah. people like eric adams of course yeah yes <sighs> that's true but uh i think that automatically assuming that powerful straight white men are bad so far hasn't steered me wrong yeah it's true um i i think that ed koch is historically well liked like not not like how like usually a new york city mayor everyone across the country is like that guy's so cool and everyone in new york is like i would kill him if i saw him <laughs> um I, the thing is, I remember Ed Koch being like a punchline when I was a kid, like he's a goofy guy who likes to show up places. But now, as an adult, I don't know if that is because he was just a goofy person people didn't take seriously, or if that was a campaign to paint him that way, you know? I think he, I think he fostered that image. I'm looking, mm. there's a section on his Wikipedia page called Wit. Uh, <laughs> and, what a- no. Here are his jokes uh, that I like. Oh, no. Okay. His first one, uh, when he lost the primary to David Dinkins, he said, mm-hmm. the people have spoken and they must be punished, <laughs> which is <laughs> a pretty awesome. good joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, good. Second, I'm the sort of person who will never get ulcers. Why? Because I say exactly what I think. I'm the sort of person who might give other people ulcers. Mm. Not, as good, not as good. Not as good. This what if he said, I'm the kind of guy who likes to laugh at a funeral? Ooh, uh-huh. I would say, thing. I don't understand what you mean. Yeah, he'd be oh, well, so far ahead will. of his time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you soon will, in 20 years, when the bare naked ladies come on the scene. Uh, and his third joke here, this one is my favorite of them. If you agree with me on 9 out of 12 issues, vote for me. If you agree with me on 12 out of 12 issues, see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's big, um... Uh, what's his name? Energy. Shit. 
<laughs> yeah, this is a great thing. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, you got really it. Big what's it. his name energy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is big what's his name energy. You're right. Ross Perot is what I was trying to say. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I like that kind of self-effacing, like, hey, we just have to meet, like, we just have to mostly agree. Like, yeah. if you agree with me on everything, I'm suspicious of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't but know. He's a, he's a gay Jewish he a, New Yorker. I think I automatically like him. <laughs> that's true, but he was also a politician in the 80s, which uh, means he was almost certainly a, the worst kind of capitalist, right? Yeah, probably. Probably. I don't know, like, though. New York's success in the 80s was mostly the result of being like, let's make every company be allowed to murder people for fun. <laughs> Hunt humans for sport. Oh no, he was the mayor when John Lennon got killed. That uh, bastard. His fault. I hate him yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Ed Koch or John Lennon? <laughs> well, I hated John Lennon before. No, I don't. I don't fully hate John Lennon. I don't think I he, don't hate John yeah. Lennon, but I don't like him, and I yeah. don't like how many people like him. You In know fact, what? It, if he was still well, alive, he would have said something that would make you absolutely hate him by now. That's true. Maybe. He would have been canceled for sure. Yeah. No. I I think that he he seemed to genuinely try to live a better life uh, in the second half of his life, but I don't know if he ever actually uh, confronted and like dealt with the fact that he was kind of a bad father and husband for the first half of his life. I don't think and he did. And his attempts to live a better life were largely like white person cultural appropriation without understanding the the cultures he was appropriating it felt like yeah you know he like tried to paint himself as like a like a ravi shankar style guru <laughs> that seems not good also he definitely like had a lot of um uh personal life problems even in his later life with like harassment of people and stuff i don't know yeah yeah it happens yeah (sighs) i think also anyone who thinks of themselves as like the jesus of music is probably not good right yeah oh no they were bigger than jesus matt (laughs) really (laughs) i've never heard that before (laughs) yeah um how did they feel about funerals (laughs) they laughed at them okay well then i'm more on board yep Should we bring back the tradition of boy bands such as the Beatles having, like, deadpan setup and punchline uh, interview questions? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. We're all agreed. (laughs) Consensus. I I think that being uh, willfully obtuse in interviews is a skill that all celebrities should have. I think that those kinds of questions have become relegated to late night talk shows where people will be like... Hey, so I heard that you've been in Madagascar recently, like setting you up for the joke that you had pre-planned or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see that in like the wide press interviews where it's like a hundred people screaming with microphones. Hey, hey, hey! There's your your fans want to know what kind of underwear do you wear? There's there, <laughs> you know? there's no yeah. press tours happening right now, so we're not seeing any of the good stuff. But I really like. Uh, a- I blame the. The death of print media, honestly. Yeah. I like a deranged, like, Robert Pattinson style. Yeah, he is pretty... Where he'll just... Someone will be like, hey, I heard you've been to Madagascar recently. He'll be like, yes, the mountains are lovely this year. And he's never been to Madagascar. 
Uh-huh. Is this good? <laughs> yeah, that's like ideal. To lie and in- to just flat out yes and whatever the interviewer says and make something up is excellent. Yeah. The problem with it is it's tiptoeing up to a line that I've written, that I've marked in red and written the words Jared Leto next to. Mm, that's true. I think you have to be good natured about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he lies in interviews as much as he just believes uh, his own mystique. <laughs> yeah. When he told people that they were definitely making a Morbius 2, he just uh, got confused that he thought people on the internet liked him. He wasn't lying uh, as a joke. He thought that was true. Yeah, he's just stupid. Yeah. Yes, but I'm just saying it. It's it's a it, they're in the same ballpark those two behaviors i feel like you gotta do it as uh as as a little prankster a little <laughs> yeah. jester having a little jester playing games jared Le- problem- jared leto is doing everything he does as someone who desperately wants to be liked so that he can uh enlarge his weird island cult yeah that's true but even the lying thing with robert pattinson for me feels like it's similar to trolling, where you can say whatever, and then if someone calls you out on it, you can be like, actually, I was trolling. Like, it, yeah. it is a way that Robert Pattinson cannot prepare for interviews, and then if he gets something wrong, be like, haha, I'm an imp and I've been lying. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I like that. That's a good form of trolling, is what <laughs> I'm saying. I don't think there yeah. is a good form of trolling, is what I'm saying. Well, I think we all need to come out and say trolling is bad universally. Disagree. I do think what he does is good in that it highlights how useless reporting is, entertainment reporting especially, where someone's like, so are you working on any new projects? And there have been times where he's just made up something. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a movie about whatever, and he's lying. And then that just gets reported, and it's like, oh, you didn't even check one source, huh? Mm-hmm. I, I like that it highlights that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. The other end of it, uh... I want to see more people like that one football player who was like, he answered every question with, I'm only here to avoid getting fined. Yes, that's right. Because he was contractually obligated to show up to the press conference, but not to actually uh, talk to the press. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Uh, I I want some press tours for movies that are like that. Like, so, uh, Rob, you're a... You're in this new Spider-Man movie. What what do you want to say about that? And he'd be like, I'm only here to avoid getting fined. <laughs> Maybe we'll see that with this new uh, strike that's going on. If people are contractually obligated to go oh, on yeah, that's true. promotion tours, they could start doing that. That would rock. Yep. Um, anyway, Louisa, what'd you do this week to, to save Brain from uh, Big Mad? <laughs> Uh, I've been playing more off and on of Baldur's Gate 3. How much have we talked about this game? Because I do not remember. A bit. We we mentioned last week, and I said that I hadn't started playing it because I played it in early access and got turned off from it, but I have been playing it as well, so I am excited to talk about it now. Yeah, so I'm still in early access because apparently they didn't release the game yet on Mac, but I am enjoying it. Uh, I know I don't have all the options, but I don't know what I'm missing out on, so there's that. And I kind of, it's a game with so many branching choices, I kind of don't mind that if I'm going to restart and do some different choices next time around. So, I'm having fun. Yeah, it's it's a very good game, and it's like, 
it's doing a thing that I really enjoy with games where there's not a clear-cut good or bad thing to do a lot of the time. Yeah. One of the things, I just read an article about this, uh, like, yesterday. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how far you've gotten in, in the plot of the game, Louisa. This is a spoiler, I guess, for a very early thing that happens in the game. But yeah, the game starts, I, th- I mentioned last week, the game starts with you getting a mind flare larva inserted into your brain mm-hmm. um when you begin encountering other people who have had mind flares in their brain you have an option to eat their mind flare parasite to make your one stronger nice. oh, really and there is this whole article where people are like is this good or bad? <laughs> like, should I be doing this? Is this going to fuck my game up? Yeah. And, I mean, no one really knows, I guess. <laughs> I like how most games that tell you there are choices still have a pretty clear path that's the one you should do. Yeah. Yes. And then maybe there's a lesser one where it's like, if you wanted to kill everybody, maybe you could take their stuff. And it's like, you could do that, but then there's going to be punishment later on for that. So, like, that's... As far as branching stories usually go. But this one is so truly branching that it's like, you can either help this person who seems kind of bad, but maybe then they'll join your party. Or you can defeat them, and the people who want to defeat them seem like they're pretty good, but they might not be. And it's like, you you just have to decide what you want to do without really knowing what the correct path is, because there isn't one. Yeah, the first, like, big decision point in the game is when you get to the the druid grove and there's a bunch of refugees staying there and the refugees are like if we leave here we'll be murdered by goblins and then the druids are like but if you stay here we'll all starve to death because we don't have any food here and it's like well you both have really good points actually (laughs) i don't know yeah but you can tell which is the right decision because the red meter fills up if you make the wrong one and the blue meter (laughs) fills up if you make the right one I will if say, only. whenever that thing pops up in the corner that says Asterion approves, I'm like, oh, fuck, I made the wrong choice. Oh, I didn't even know the game had one of those. I was making fun of games with bad morality systems. It doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't have anything like that, but yeah. th- depending on who's with you, they may approve or not, and Asterion is a real bastard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do, I do like, you know, it changes your relationship with the characters on your team. That yeah, I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Yeah, although everyone on the internet wants to fuck all of these weird monsters, so, you know. Well, weird. that is an evergreen sentence. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yes, always it's true. true. <laughs> uh, so, I have, like, uh, I made sure my character had really high perception because I love finding treasures. So, a lot of these quests are just me going and rummaging through every cupboard and uh, locked chest I can find using my lockpicks, finding treasures. I love that. So I haven't romanced the story that much. How far are you in it? Like, what story stuff have you done so far? Have you gotten to the Druid Grove? I have. I've gone to the Druid Grove. I've helped them get back the person they thought could help them out. I don't want to give too much Oh, oh, okay. So you're quite far. I guess so, but as people online... Into the first part of the first act. Yeah, as people online have joked, how many hundreds of hours do you play before you get to Baldur's Gate, (laughs) the name of the game, Mm -hmm. which is a city? Yes. I definitely haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm around the same place you are, I think, Louisa, where 
like people are telling me to go to the tower. Yes. You know what I mean by that? Yes, yes. that's what I'm at too. Which I think is the last thing you need to do before you finish the prologue to the game and actually get to Baldur's Gate. <laughs> which is pretty wild because I'm looking at my playtime now and I've played a total of 38 hours. Yep, pretty good. Oh, I do boy. like that in the very opening cutscene of the game when you're in hell, you see three floating columns that demons come mm-hmm. out of. And you see those three floating columns and I'm like, that's the three! That's the three for Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 3, I know it! Yep, it's true. I thought that's when we would get the title, but we did not. No. Um, I I would love at some point for someone to say the titular line. <laughs> All right, now we three need to go to Baldur's Gate and become the Baldur's Gate 3. Yay! And then everyone looks at the camera. <laughs> yep. Uh, Crap, have... roll, that's the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I've started dipping into... Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, which I started a while ago. It's the previous game by the same developer um, to, you know, stave off spending $60 on Baldur's Gate 3. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pretty fun, but there's no character customization. Like, you can customize some of the stats, but, like, the guys look how they look and have the backstories they have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. I I like the ways in which you can create your character in this game, but I wish there was more advancement in Baldur's Gate 3, I mean. Advancement how? Yeah. The level cap is level 12, which is high, but, like, you can't do any, like, prestige classes, and uh. if you multi-class, then you can't get to level 12 in, in the one class you're in. It just seems like they could have had they could have gotten to the point where you're getting into the like legendary class feats and stuff like that that's yeah i guess that's lower <laughs> that's lower than the level cap in dungeons and dragons upon which the game is based yeah. yes it's much lower than the level cap of dungeons and dragons oh, strange. Strange. they'll change that in the future because uh, i feel like if you allow multi-classing and then leveling up in that you have to add so many thousands of more options for every branch you story. can multi-class okay but you cannot prestige class. Oh, well, you kind of can for some classes. Like, I'm playing as a paladin, mm-hmm. and it, what I love about it is uh, one of the types of paladin that you can choose in the Dungeons & Dragons games is an Oathbreaker paladin who has broken that oath and has, like, necromantic paladin powers. Mm-hmm. You can't choose that when you start the game. But if you choose a paladin oath and then you break that oath... Then somebody comes to you and is like, "Do you want to become an oathbreaker?" That's pretty. <laughs> that, good. That's pretty cool. That I like. <laughs> also, I don't know how many people have encountered it, but the dude who comes to you and says to become an oathbreaker is so cool. I want to play as that guy instead. He seems awesome. It's like Withers, that the, oh, the zombie Withers. guy you like. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> yeah, I like a guy that. There's a guy you meet in one of the early dungeons, and if you save him, he'll come and live in your camp, and he'll re- resurrect anyone who died in nice. the previous day. Yeah, pretty great. Although I had to find that out from someone else, because I went to the place where you meet him, mm-hmm. and I didn't meet him, because there's a locked door, and at the time, because this is like the first thing you do in the game, at the time I figured, oh, well, I'll have to come back with, you know, something to unlock this door, where I, now I know you can just break the door or uh, lockpick it. Yeah, it it does take some getting used to the idea that there isn't 
a right way to solve problems. Yeah. I was, I, there's a part where you encounter an inn that's on fire and there's some people you need to save in there. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to save them all. And then there was like a big pile of rubble and I just could not get past it. And then I was like, oh wait, I'm, I have a wizard. And I just shot it with fireballs till it exploded and then everything was fine. But it took me several minutes of trying to think like, okay, can I climb over this? Is there a secret passage? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that happened a little bit when I was playing Divinity. I'm like, oh man, I couldn't lockpick this door. Wait, it has an HP bar. Yeah. I just did like <laughs> seven attacks against it and it broke. <laughs> yep. I recently figured out after playing, I don't know, 40 hours, something like that. But I found that uh, when I went to the Druid Grove at first, there's a conflict that happens. And you have to help them out with a little attack that they're getting from goblins, which I did. Mm -hmm. But in that attack, uh, a guy from the Druid camp got killed. Mm. And only just recently did I realize I could go back to his corpse and resurrect him because... He is supposed to be a character you can have in your party, but he died before I ever met him because he got killed by those goblins. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's on the box. He's like one of the ones <laughs> on the box art. <coughs> Wait, is it Will? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, I also love that if you have the necromantic spell talk with dead, you can talk to literally any dead body you find. That's pretty great. Yeah, like, even, like, skeletons in the Underdark, he can revive them. They don't have a lot to say, but it's pretty wild that they wrote dialogue for every dead body. Yeah. Yeah, I was having... <laughs> I was, like, leveling up a character in uh, Divinity, and one of the skills you could pick was talk to animals, and I'm like, yeah, okay. There's a couple cats that are following me around. You could talk to them now. I found a crab who thinks it's the queen of Earth. <laughs> oh cool <laughs> very i will say something that drive something that drove me crazy is in that first druid grove there's a guy who has a herd of cattle and one of the cows is called like you know one's called like happy cow and one's called you know eating cow or whatever and one of them's called suspicious cow <laughs> and so i clicked on it i investigated it and it was like you know that there's something magical about this cow. So then I turned on Talk to Animals and I talked to it and I was like, hey, what's your deal? And he's like, don't worry about me. And that's it. That's the whole interaction. <laughs> You're going to meet that cow later in the city. He's going to be a mob maybe, boss. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I was like, this is a druid pretending to be a cow, 100% for sure. But there was nothing I could do short of attacking it to make it do anything. What well, if... What if... Baldur's Gate scooped Diablo and put a cow level in Baldur's Gate 3. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> I couldn't remember whether it was Baldur's Gate or Diablo, because to me, they're the same thing. Yeah, fair um, enough. There's they're not. They're not. No, they're not, a, they're not at all the same thing. But no, in my mind, they are. You can go to hell. You can talk to some devils. You can go to yeah, hell. Yeah, go to hell, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great uh, ad campaign for the uh, for infernal planes. <laughs> Go to hell. Oh, I wonder man. if they will do DLC for this game. It's so big, but it seems like this engine is really ripe for adding campaigns fairly easily. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm wondering. I feel Although, like they'll probably do DLC, and do they already have like a campaign designer in there? 
I don't think so, but I don't know. I don't really play with that stuff. Hmm. A GM mode or and or a campaign designer or something feels like a a natural extension too. Yeah, I have been playing with a lot of mods that I got off of Nexus mods um, that make the game a lot more fun. I need to get some mods so. that can stop me getting killed before I realize what's happening because I hate that. And I don't like yep. that these games include that, which is your character might just go stand somewhere that they're on fire and not move out of the fire until they die. That That is fixed in the full version to some extent. That's good. They they are much smarter about that than they were in the pre-release version, I will say. That's good. Yeah. I had to reload a save because I was in a dungeon and I walked from a edge of a stone building and there's a little wooden bridge across to another stone building. And my character, as I clicked across the bridge, they took the corner, so they fell down off the stone thing, rather than standing on the bridge, and they died. They fucking died oh, from their no. fall damage. That's bullshit. <laughs> you have to go find the horse god, and he'll resurrect them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. There is a dungeon that I, I won't go into too much detail for fear of spoilers, but there's a dungeon that is run by a like a baba yaga style hag nice the green hag um and the the whole climb down to her lair is just poisonous gas filling all of the every hallway Mm -hmm. and then i was like okay well i guess i could just run through this as fast as i want and then there are exploding mines in the poisonous gas yes not fair absolutely wonderful (laughs) We love a security-minded hag. <laughs> uh, I kind of like that because so it's, it's like something a real uh, DM might do to mess yes, with their players. Yes, for sure. I just wanted there to be a way for me to get rid of that poisonous gas. And there kind of is, but you have to be very good at disarming traps, which I am not. Yeah, oh, That's unusual. Don't you usually prefer to play as a character that can disarm traps and stuff? I don't know. I I usually like to play as a spellcaster in games like this because I like to explore the like magic physics and stuff. Um, and I do have a rogue in my party, Asterion. That's the only reason I keep him around, even though he's a real bastard. But you needed to get like a natural twenty on your disarm trap rolls to disarm these poison gas vents. Mm. It was just too hard. And every time you get it wrong, you break your trap disarming kit oh so annoying yeah i do like that you don't break those if you are successful though yes that is good same with lock picks thank god yeah oh, pretty good although i'm not never short of supplies because i'm always rummaging through everything so i have a pretty good stock of everything at the moment yep i have so much money just because i yes. picked up like every sword that every goblin ever dropped and then sold it to people yes and you can steal paintings off the walls in some places like that inn that's on fire no one will know and those are worth so much money yep i really love when you stumble across a village or something of people that you know are bad and then you just walk around for a while not fighting anyone to see where all the valuable stuff is and then you start (laughs) wrecking shop oh man great game you're gonna say I like I like when you roll up into a village of rubes that you can scam. <laughs> yeah, I will say I very rarely do this, but I'm actively considering playing this game again as an evil character next time because I want to see yeah. how different it is. Apparently, there's like certain 
party members you can only get if you're evil. Yeah, I bet. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I games really struggle with morality systems like that. There's like so few genuinely good ones where like both routes are equally um like rewarding gameplay wise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I feel like Mass Effect punishes you for doing the the whatever they call the bad guy route. Um and like Knights of the Old Republic the, the Star Wars one is another one where it's like, well, the canonical one is where you're good, and you'll get more of the good high-power characters and high-power skills if you're good. But evil looks cool. Yeah, I will say, when I played um, Force Awakens, I loved the fact that the best abilities were all the bad ones. Yeah. Like, unlike, the, you know, I had played Knights of the Old Republic where the good Jedi are way, way, way more powerful, but as I understand the Star Wars universe, I know you know better than I do, but the whole thing of it is, it would like, if you go evil, it makes your life so much easier because there's so much more power to the Force, but you have to balance that with knowing that you're doing bad things. Yeah, it's it's the idea of, like... Letting uh letting yourself be consumed by your passions rather than being able to uh continue to be like a rational thinking person. Like, yeah, right. you can be very powerful, but like you can't really do what you want anymore. You become trapped in that path of seeking more and more power. Yeah. yeah. The thing I don't like about most games is they'll say, Oh, you could play the evil character if you want. You could beat the whole game as the evil character, but most games have it set up that you will miss out on things and have a less good time if you're the evil character. Yeah. Like, they do punish you for choosing that, even though they imply that they don't. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas I like in this, uh, things just happen. Like, you find some goblins uh, tormenting a, a, a gnome. They have him tied up. And so, like, you know, as a hero, you should help this gnome. But these goblins are very powerful, and, like, it kind of doesn't matter if you help him or not, in a way, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Like, it's Gnomes are barely also, people. <laughs> also, that gnome is a real bastard yeah, if yeah, you yeah, save yeah, him. Yeah, 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 I did save him, but... <laughs> you're like, he's, like, such a jerk to you, and you're like, I just fucking saved your life! <laughs> that also feels more realistic, too. It's like, hmm. in the real world, you don't know what the consequences are for helping or not helping, and maybe people are grateful, and maybe they aren't. <clears throat> I mean, he is a gnome. You can just pick him up and toss him back into the goblin den. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's funny how, or not maybe not funny, but it it's a good game thing that you can save characters and then later on realize that they're bad and have to kill them. <laughs> yes, that's pretty good too. Like, I felt bad about it, but I was like, oh no, you're definitely going to go and do slavery. I have to kill you now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh man. So anyway, yes, enjoying it. Uh Matt, what is getting you through the week? So I have been following closely. This is something we've talked about many times before, but uh this past week began the official spoilers for uh the new set of Magic the Gathering cards. Mm -hmm. And I'm extraordinarily excited because this upcoming set is a return to the plane of fairy tales called Eldraine. Ooh. Um, so in past sets, <clears throat> so, um, in past sets where they visited Eldraine, the theme has been about, like, 
these different fairy tale kingdoms that are all at war to see who's going to be the leader of the the realm or whatever. So there's Ardenvale, which is the like good guy. You know, the charming prince is a card from that set, and like the princess in a tower and all that stuff. And then there's the there's um. Lockthwain, which is the bad ones, and it's got like the evil queen and whatever. So they they've explored that in previous sets. In this set, the idea is the entire plane has been put to sleep by three witches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a like the the set is called the Wilds of Eldraine, and the idea is that the traditional power structure has broken down because of the sleep. And so now everything is kind of running amok. I'm super excited. The three witches look so cool. <laughs> There's the, the the witch of the icy crown, the witch of the cauldron, and the witch of the uh, enchanted apple are the three. That's are they meant good. to be like sly winks at the Disney uh, wicked stepmothers? I think it's more like a pastiche kind of thing where they're okay. like trying to to riff on the general themes of the like triune uh female power structure in fairy tales a lot of the time fair enough yeah it sounds like it's you know the ice queen the poisoned apple uh maleficent and the other i forget what the third one you said was (laughs) well that's the thing the cauldron yeah yeah it well yeah that's the thing like uh terry pratchett has a book about this where you can Talk about the tropes that have been around long before Disney, but also, if you want, you can skewer the Disney ones specifically using those. Yes. So. And and I think that they are going to kind of try to thread the needle of having there be some nods to other fairy tale properties without being so overt as to be tacky. Okay. Um. One of the characters that is returning in this Eldraine set that was in previous ones is a character named Sir Ginger, who is a gingerbread cookie that was brought to life and became a knight. Wonderful. Pretty good. Uh, and in the previous Eldraine set, there was a like a trailer for it where she is uh, it, trying to save her boyfriend from being eaten and then... One of the planeswalkers doesn't realize that they are sentient and eats the boyfriend, so she is filled with rage and she ends up gouging out one a planeswalker's eye with a fork. No, anyway, no. Uh, in this one, she is now Sir Ginger. She has been elevated to a full knight, and she is like really kick ass. She's a really great. Uh, the card is cool. She's a great character. I'm really excited about it. That's cool. But it's very clearly, the original trailer was clearly supposed to be a joke about that character from Shrek. Well, yeah. I I like the idea of turning the tropes on their head and then turning those inversions on their head also. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool the way in which there's obviously a lot of problems with magic cards and their design, but I do think that they are very good at making things feel like they have evolved naturally Mm. from set to set and yet still have interesting new ways of like looking at the same old mechanics if that makes sense Mm. Mm -hmm. so for instance you know the 
the the of the three evil queens the the one that i'm most interested in is a is the enchanted apple one um there's a deck style in magic the gathering called enchantress where your main strategy is to put as many enchantments on the board as possible with the hopes that those enchantments will generate enough advantage for you to win the game um and this character card if you play the card it damages your opponent every turn for every enchantment you have on the board so even enchantments that before this were entirely useless if they're cheap they're still a really good way of draining life from your opponent so mm-hmm. it sort of has changed the way that enchantments are useful um and i love that i love when people have really put thought into we want to make this this the the mechanics of this card flavorful to the character but also create new ways of looking at existing cards. Nice. Yeah, that is fun. I like I I the I one of the things about a game like that that's ongoing endlessly is yeah. you got to you got to constantly be trying to like you know not everyone is going to be playing the format where it's only the last 3 sets or whatever. So you got to think about like mechanics that could be more broadly applied. Yep, especially because they just got rid of that format. Oh, modern doesn't exist anymore. Or uh, no, you're thinking of standard, yeah, which that's it. Rotates annually, but they just said that instead of rotating every year, it's now only going to rotate every three years. So mm-hmm. everyone's really pissed off about it. <laughs> that's it's good. It's not good. No? It sucks, actually. Oh. Well, it sucks because the format for the last year has been dominated by, like, two cards from the Kamigawa set that came out last fall. I see. Uh, and I don't know how they're ever going to not have it be dominated by those two cards unless they add cards that are even worse. So everyone was like, yay, they're going to rotate out. And then Wizards was like, actually, they're not for a long time. So that sucks. To me, it feels like ultimately it will be good for the game because there will be less uh, of that. Like, they probably designed those Kamigawa cards thinking like, well, these will be rotated out. We don't have to balance it. But You'd sure think so. But (laughs) apparently even the game designers didn't know that they were changing the rules of rotation until after it had been announced. Oh, no. Yeah. Does this make so them not more money somehow? I'm trying to figure out what angle they're on. The problem, the the reason that they said they did it, which does make some sense, is that people were less interested in getting into standard because they didn't want to buy cards that would only be playable for a year. Okay. Yeah. And I understand that. That does make sense. But there are other formats where cards don't rotate out of the the, the format, so you could have just played those ones. I don't know. I think that there's a way in which this could be good, like Jeff said, but they hadn't been des- they they would have needed to design for it for a year before they announced it yeah. and they just didn't do that. Yeah. It's like a good change that they didn't prepare for, so now you have to wait like 3 or 4 years for it to actually have any uh tangible positive impact. <laughs> exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, standard is not anyone's favorite way of playing the game i don't think commander is everyone's favorite way of playing the game yeah and there's no way to play commander online unfortunately right now i guess you could play it on moto but that is a bad program that sucks 
Um, but there is a, a format on Magic Arena called Historic Brawl, and that is the best format, and everyone loves it, and they never support it, and they never design cards for it, and I hope they never do, because as soon as they start designing cards for a format, that's when that format starts to suck. So this is one where you get to, like, take control of historical figures like Benjamin Franklin and see if how they'd fight against, like, Joseph Stalin? Yep, exactly. Okay. And I really just love playing a Benjamin Franklin deck just to watch him get beaten to shit because he was such a piece of, of trash in life. <laughs> he was such a terrible person and everyone should hate him. I uh, I don't know if this... Uh, we've probably talked about this on the show before. But did you have the phenomenon as a child of thinking that Benjamin Franklin was some kind of extant, currently living figure <laughs> because of how he's the mascot of Philadelphia? <laughs> no, but, no, but that I do one see... guy who impersonates him, who was everywhere in our childhoods, he did kind of bring him to life in a way, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Plus, there was a giant, like, talking animatronic head of him at the big mall in Philly. The... Yeah, this is why I don't... This is why I feel like people need to remember how terrible he was as a human. Because he's like... He is... As big in Philadelphia as, like, that giant Jesus statue in Buenos Aires is. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good comparison. I mean, well, I, there's probably a statue that big of him somewhere in Philly. <laughs> yeah, probably. And there's, like, I I would bet that there's over a hundred statues of him in Philadelphia, easily. Like... There's so many things named after him. Everything about Philadelphia is intrinsically tied to Benjamin Franklin, and he sucks so bad. That, that's this, probably... Go ahead. Uh, to, I was just going to say, to tie this back to bridges like we were talking about earlier, if you're driving up the New Jersey Turnpike from the south, from Delaware, or point south, you mm. will eventually pass an electronic billboard that says, Walt, 10 minutes, Ben, 15 minutes, or something like that. Yeah. There's no explanation for this anywhere. And if you're not local, how are you supposed to know that those are bridges and what they're talking about? It's true. <laughs> I do like the GPS still refers to the Walt Whitman Bridge as the West Whitman Bridge because everyone is <laughs> abbreviates it as W Whitman. Oh, pretty good. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I get um the Major Deegan Expressway. My Google will refer to it as the Maj Deegan Expressway. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Every time that Louisa and I drive to New York and we see that, we say we're Majorly Deegan. <laughs> oh man, I'm Majorly Deegan over here. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my favorite one is when the bridge is telling uh, trucks where to go, the like signs telling where trucks have to go on the bridge. Uh, <laughs> you can meet your friend All Trucks Tony, because uh, it says All Trucks to New York nice. have to go yep. this way. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, anyway, his, historic brawl is like commander, but uh, for but for only two players. Pretty good. Oh, okay. Do you learn about history as you're doing it? No, it's called historic because you can use any card from the history of magic. There's not like a limit on the time frame from of cards you can choose. Basically, fair enough. So, is there a there's a ban list though, right? There is a ban list. It's pretty short, and I mean you're limited to the cards that are on arena. Oh, okay. So. They haven't programmed a lot of the, like, alpha cards and stuff like that, um, but they've been adding a lot of older cards on there now, so 
honestly, guys, Magic the Gathering Arena is an extremely good and fun video game, and you can play it for free, and everyone should. Okay. Perhaps I will. I keep thinking, man, I kind of want to play Magic, but then I'll yeah. get back into, like, Slay the Spire and be like, this was actually what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Magic is definitely a different vibe than a deck building game like Slay the Spire, where it's more about, um, like, keeping up with the metagame of what other people are playing. Yeah. And that's not necessarily fun for everyone, but I've been really enjoying it, so. Hmm. Maybe I'll anyway. All right. Showtime? Yeah, you should. Yeah, I think it's time to do the show. So, <clears throat> what do we do on this show? Well, we let the algorithm choose news stories for us. And then we talk about those topics so that we can uh, tell you guys what we think about what's going on in the world. It is going to be extremely challenging for the near future because we all agreed we were going to try to avoid talking about TV shows and movies during the writer's strike. Mm -hmm. And guys, let me tell you, <laughs> my news page is like all things about movies and TV shows. <laughs> oh, Do you want me to go first then? No, I have one. Oh, okay. Um, I do want to mention, I know this is a movie, but I'm just mentioning it because of how stupid this headline is. There was a headline that said, Star of Blue Beetle wants Blue Beetle to be a successful movie. <laughs> Boo! Like, yeah, biased! Yeah. He's biased! <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> I would hope so. I would also <laughs> want uh, the product that I help create, that I get uh, money for if it becomes successful to be successful yeah i would also want the first movie i've ever been in that starting my career to be good yeah like that's not news <laughs> yes oh, exactly funny. okay so what i'm actually going to talk about though is good omens graphic novel just hit two million dollars on kickstarter oh huh is he is it is new is Neil Gaiman involved? Yes. Huh. It is an adaptation of the novel by Neil Gaiman. Um, and, and Terry uh, Pratchett. Being, well, the novel is by Neil Gaiman and Terry yep. Pratchett. The adaptation is not. Yep. So, uh, my biased opinion is that all the good parts of the novel were written by Terry Pratchett. So this is just yes. uh, increasing all the bad parts of it into uh, graphic novel form. Quite probably, yes. In the same way, I never watched the second season of the Amazon Prime series because the first season was based on the novel and the second one was just original stuff that Neil Gaiman came up with. And Neil Gaiman is not a very good writer. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, so, who's the, does it have an artist listed for this? Uh, yes. Colleen Doran. Oh, Doran. okay. That's a good pick. How did this end up on Kickstarter? I'm sure many publishing houses would be interested in this. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. In a way, Neil Gaiman... Okay, this is going to be... This is going to sound pretty extreme, so don't react overly at the mm. very beginning here. Okay. But in a lot of ways... Ah, Neil Gaiman, I'm <laughs> reacting! Sorry, go ahead. In a lot of ways, Neil Gaiman kind of reminds me of Elon Musk. <laughs> Where it feels like it's very important to him that he be, like, cool with the internet crowd. Uh -huh. And so I could see a world in which he's like, yeah, I could go to a traditional publisher, but I'm gonna do it on Kickstarter. So everyone can 
talk about how cool and indie I am. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I have to say, I don't mind if maybe he's doing this because he wants full control over such a thing. Yeah. Which I would not mind. If big names are able to do that, then maybe we can get back to a place where publishers are trying to chase down people they like and do everything for them, because that's what a publisher should be doing. And the way things work right now, publishers get to tell you they'll do whatever they want with your work, and that sucks. That fucking sucks. So. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, this is just an adaptation of the the novel that Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman wrote, so I'm hoping it will... It looks like the adaptation is going to be largely done by Colleen Doran, like Neil Gaiman is sort of like a producer uh, mm. the equivalent of a producer where i don't know how much work he will actually be doing on this project mm-hmm. um so i don't know it might be good i think it could be good yeah it could be good i think that he has been respectful enough of the legacy of the novel that he wouldn't want to like change stuff too much in an adapt in like a direct adaptation of it Yes, I will say, I think from what I know of Neil Gaiman, he doesn't seem like a bad person. Mm-hmm. He just seems like he is kind of a dork. He's he's kind of a dork. He's kind of like he's just extremely the person he is. And in a lot of ways, that's not my favorite type of person. Yeah, but he he does seem to have been. He does seem to want to be respectful to Terry Pratchett's work, and I appreciate that. And I think that if if it's done right and they don't bury that stuff, then this could be really good. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Do you think you'll buy it? I don't know. I maybe. I think that I like Terry. I think I like Neil Gaiman's comic work a lot better than I like his novel work. Mm-hmm. And I I liked Sandman pretty good okay i think i might get it i don't know i don't think i'm gonna do kickstartering of it Mm -hmm. but i do think that i might get it when it is published yeah that sounds like something i would get from the library and read and be like that was pretty good yeah i do think that the best way that this story can be told is in novel form though because so much of it is about the sort of inner life of the the characters and yeah sometimes that is hard to convey in comics but i could be wrong mm-hmm. so anyway uh apparently there's a uh good omens graphic novel coming nice oh yeah is there a published date no the kickstarter hasn't even ended yet so i'm sure they will uh they will have to figure that stuff out once they know how much money they have i see yeah but it's going to be more than $2 million, so I'm sure that they, it will get done. Yeah. What if it was all just a scam? Because <laughs> of those weird rules about... <laughs> this is about... what you say about every Kickstarter reason. <laughs> but those weird rules where it's like, uh, tough luck if they don't do the thing they promised they were going to do. So what if this is a huge Neil Gaiman scam to just make off with $2 million? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> it would be pretty good. Here's the thing. That's how all commerce is. What if it's yeah, just a true. scam? Every <laughs> yeah. time you buy a product, it's like, what if I take this home and it's actually made of paper and it gets wet and dissolves into nothing? <laughs> mm-hmm. See, that's what Kickstarter is supposed to not be. Yes, a lot of them are scams because they weren't thought out and it totally sucks, but it's supposed to be someone who's like, I really want to 
<sighs> make pottery, but I don't have a potter's wheel. If you help me buy one, I'll give you a free pot. And like, on that level, it works great. Yep. But I don't want a pot. Yeah. I don't know you. I don't care about your pots. <laughs> yeah, the pitch has Bye. to be really good for it to be like someone unproven, but I think it's a good platform yeah. for someone who already has an audience to be like, I want to do my own thing and I don't feel like dealing with the hassle of money people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it does feel like it's kind of crushed under its own weight a little bit, Kickstarter, I mean, because, yeah. um, because as you say, like, now in order for a kick, because of all the noise on Kickstarter, in order for something to rise above the hubbub, it has to either have a famous person involved or have like a super polished and well put together pitch so that it's like, well, if I need to polish my pitch this much, I need money to do that. How do I get the money to make a pitch to get the money to make the thing, you know? The problem is the tech bros found it. So they're like, hey, here's a cool new coffee maker I invented that costs, you know, $700, but it's really great. Like, it's not really great. You're just, you're... Doing your I'm generating ideas bullshit where you're not actually solving a problem. You're making up a problem that you're then going to solve with this thing you invented. Like, yeah. ugh, I hate that stuff. Here's my juicer that just squeezes juice yes. out of a bag of juice. <laughs> it's $400 and you can't use your own juice. Oh, man. <laughs> so good. I do think it's pretty wild. I, I very rarely dip into Kickstarter anymore, but when I do... I, it will be, you know, I usually go to the game section because that's what I'm interested in. But it'll be like, you know, in the past week, this many projects started in each category. And like overwhelmingly the technology category and the like independent publishing categories get like a hundred times more pitches than anything else. Yeah. Who is that for? The people making the pitches. <laughs> they love yeah. it. Yeah, but do they ever get any funding at all? Probably. It seems like there's not enough people with enough money that you'd be able to back every technology design pitch that you see on there. There was one I remember seeing that was going around of like a laser razor. No, oh, no. Like a to shave your face with a laser beam. Or to cut your head off with a laser beam, probably. <laughs> like, that obviously can't work. Yeah. How did how could you possibly look at that and be like, I'm gonna back this? I bet this will because, be a real thing someday. Like I'm saying, Kickstarter got so big that idiots are like, hey, free money, rather than seeing it as the place to develop ideas. They're like, oh, but what if I could just give you a bunch of snake oil and then get some money? Ugh. Yeah, well, I mean, you still got to go to the effort of uh, oiling all those snakes. Mm, it's true. Juicing, you juice the oil out of the snakes. Sure. You can't milk use it. your own snakes, though. You milk snakes. That's for the venom. Is that also for the oil? Uh, the venom is the oil. Oh, there we oh, go. Makes you think. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it makes you think, but it does. Mm-hmm. I was watching a video on YouTube the other day, and the ad that sponsored it was for a smart fitted sheet for your no! bed. No! And I can't stop (laughs) thinking about what that could mean. I don't want to learn what it is. You get a phone alert. Beep, beep, beep. You're sweating too much. You're sweating too much out to me. Sweat less. Yeah. (laughs) You're gross. The the quote unquote smart features involve like regulating your body temperature or whatever to the point where the way they described it, I was like, is this just a cotton sheet? (laughs) 
Yeah. Is what you're talking about just literally cotton? (sighs) Yes, probably yes. Honestly, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, what news story do you have, Louisa? I have a fun one, and it's titled... This tomato tartata is your next summer baking project. Ew. This is I'm a cool idea. And don't say ew. No, don't. Ew. Do not. Ew. <laughs> I'm mad that more of the words didn't start with T. Yeah, that would have been mm, good, right? That's true. Uh, or end with X, like that headline, that New York Times headline. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Nick's. What is it? Nick's fix, Nick's picks, or something like that. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the exact headline, though. Yeah, I don't remember Pretty the good. exact headline either. Anyway. <laughs> so, Matt thinks um, this is gross already, right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that tomato... I know is that good. this is an... Un, I mean, I know so, this is an unpopular opinion, but mm-hmm. I don't think that tomato should be the star flavor of anything. <laughs> Disagree. Okay, shut up. I need to tell the listener, in case they're not familiar with it, tart tatat is usually uh, made with apples. And it's yes. kind of oh a, like a, it's kind of a loosely made uh, apple pie. So you caramel. Is it the one you do upside down yes. and then flip it over? Yes, it is. Okay. I feel like I'm going to barf. Yeah, just I know. you describing the apple one and imagining on, it with tomatoes on. instead. <laughs> <laughs> because what you do is you cut apples in half, then you caramelize them in a skillet, just a frying pan. With caramel, like little sugar to make caramel. <clears throat> then you cover them with puff pastry, and then you bake it, then you turn it over. This one, as you do that with tomatoes, but instead of making caramel, you use some honey and some balsamic vinegar to make this syrup. <laughs> and then puff pastry and thyme and garlic. And no, not ew, it's delicious. It sounds delicious. Sounds <laughs> awful. Now, why is this troubling to you? <clears throat> are they halved tomatoes or are they like slices of tomato? Halved, yes. That's too much tomato, y'all. <laughs> yeah. That's too much tomato, y'all. Would you say yeah. that's too much apple, though? Because that's how they do the apples. No, because oh, apples, apples taste, taste good. good. <laughs> I think we're coming to the crux of the problem that you guys are having with this, which is yeah. you don't want a tomato pie. <laughs> Uh-huh. I could get on board with if it was slices of tomato and there was something else in there like a cheese. Uh-huh. Oh wait, I'm just I'm just inventing pizza. Yeah. I didn't mean that to be the joke, but now that's the no, joke. No, that was exactly the joke I was gonna make. I was like, I would like if there was like a thin layer of tomato and then some cheese and pepperoni on top of it. <laughs> I genuinely didn't realize that's what I was doing. <laughs> I recipe for a tomato tart that has sliced tomatoes over a layer of goat cheese and herbs, and then the tomatoes get mm-hmm. kind of broiled. That's pretty good. That's pretty fucking that, good. See, that sounds like it could be good, because the tomato needs the cheese or something mm-hmm. to make it balanced. Mm-hmm. I feel like just a tomato flavor with, like, puff pastry or something that's not really going to bring a lot of flavor to the party mm-hmm. is, like too acidic and weirdly sweet but in a savory way i hear what you're saying but surely you'd eat this in a meal that involved cheese and charcuterie and salad probably Mm. i mean to be polite i would (laughs) if somebody was like here eat this i'd be like thanks louisa you have the opportunity to do the funniest thing of the week oh no oh no uh i am gonna be going down 
there yeah. next weekend too. Shit, yeah. Louise is gonna get me with a <laughs> tomato tart No, luckily we are having a high tea, so I'm gonna be making pork pies and deviled eggs. You do not have to worry about tomato pie for this one this time. Okay, good. Oh no, that just means when I least expect. <laughs> yeah, I might make one of these. Fuck you guys. I might do this. <laughs> I think this sounds good. And I think, and this is gonna be pretty wild, but I think it's true, any vegetable would be better than tomato for this. Do you like ratatouille? Uh I don't hate movie. it. It has to well, yes, it is a good movie. <laughs> it has to be done right. I've had some that are kind of mushy and flavorless, but the ones that have some texture and like a good Tomato. Level of spice and uh, other stuff, salt and stuff, they can be good. So you don't mind the tomato there? Well, because it's also got like zucchini and- um, Summer squash. Squash and stuff <laughs> like that. So it's it's more than just tomato flavor. To me, tomato is a seasoning, not the star. Mm. Yes, I agree with That's this. That's why I don't Fine. like a spaghetti with sauce like as the main <laughs> thing. You know what I bet would be good with this, vegetable-wise? A leek. Yeah, mm. tomato leek, yes. Or just... No, no tomato, just like oh, leek. God. Just Car- onion. Caramelized? I mean, yeah. Caramelized Now you're just making French onion soup, Jack. Yeah. French, French onion, onion tart? Yeah, French onion tart in the summer, pretty fucking good. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. See, I, I approved it for yeah. all of us. <laughs> Yeah. It has been done. And the thing is, French onion soup has a beef broth base, so it's not actually a vegetarian soup. But when you're making it into a tart, you don't have to add the beef broth, so it's vegetarian. Yeah, I've heard people making French onion soup vegetarian with, like, brandy and mushrooms. You are supposed to put brandy in there, regardless, I think. Yeah. I guess I could see it. The, the, like, traditional recipe is that, yeah. I find most vegetarian broths are way too sweet. I don't like that. Mm. Mm. I like the better than bouillon. uh, Fake chicken? Yes. Oh. Their their vegetarian chicken is very good. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I think... I think I've had all three of theirs. They have vegetable, chicken, and beef, and they're all not bad. Yeah, they're a good base. Yeah. Anyway. Or you could just put a bunch of Marmite in water. Mmm, delicious. Uh, tomatoes, <laughs> very good. If you say so. I think I think <laughs> that tomatoes need to have a oniony buddy. It doesn't have to be onions, but it needs to have some kind of, like, shallot, leek, garlic, something in there to help it along mm-hmm. that's i'm the same way okay fair enough i have to have an oniony buddy to <laughs> you tie it that's why you your belt. identify so much with the donkey from shrek yeah well i get along with shrek because he's he has layers mm-hmm. like an onion exactly that's what i'm saying he's your oniony buddy are you calling him the donkey from shrek and not just donkey even though that's his name I don't. Is that his name? That's what just... I want to know. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I don't know if they ever establish in that first movie that his name is Donkey. I think Shrek just calls him that because he's a donkey. I thought he yeah. introduced himself at some point as Donkey. Yeah, I wonder. Does mm. he? Mm, I don't know anymore. But also, like, even if he, if I just said Donkey. If I said, that's why, Jeff, you identify with donkey, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it would sound like I don't speak English very well. (laughs) Well, fair enough. (laughs) 
Ask me about my article. Oh, okay. Hey, Jeff, what kind of article did you find on the internet? I, I see you were wearing a name badge that says, ask me about my article. A <laughs> uh, very good headline from MSN. Is the AI boom already over? Uh, yes. Thank God. An image on the top is like a 50s-style robot. With, <laughs> of course. Like, with like I Tesla coils where its ears should be, <laughs> and... Uh, an emoji-style frowny face and a tear <laughs> made of presumably oil. Okay, now you have to post a picture of this. I love this. Story. I love it. Now, let me copy image. Drop I want this, this to there. be my Halloween costume. <laughs> oh, man. I just watched the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie, the, the one from like 10 years ago mm-hmm. with Zoe Deschanel and Martin Freeman. Almost 20 um, years ago. <laughs> Well, whatever. And um, there's uh, that scene where Marvin, the paranoid android from the 80s BBC series, is, like, standing in line with them. Mm -hmm. I fucking love how much, how shitty robots from, like, the 70s and 80s media look. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Um, Yeah, this is a pretty shitty robot. It's like a Cyberman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. I thought it was going to be an actual photo or one of those ai fake photos of one of those little tin robots and i don't like that it's just I, an illustration i like that the tear coming out of his eye is yellow like it might be piss <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, where it comes out of for robots maybe this yeah. is ai maybe this is ai generated it might be that oh, teardrop is not photo. correctly shaped it's true, and the shading is very wonky, especially across the top of his head. Apologies to Andy Feng if you illustrated this uh, and did not generate it with AI, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. But this article is basically about how like ChatGPT is losing users. Uh, AI-powered yeah, was... Bing didn't uh, make any headway into the search engine market share. Good. It it was never anything that anyone thought would be good. We were just all like, hey, this is stupid. Yeah. Let's all play with it for a week. People yeah, like but a bunch, a bunch of people with money thought it would be good because they're True. stupid. Yeah. Yep. A lot of CEOs were super excited about how I could like write emails and stuff for them, which is mm-hmm. ugh, so dumb. I think the trouble is it got so much attention at first that now everyone, even though this has just started happening, people know... A lot of your search results for, like, uh, how do I uh, change a spark plug in my car? It's going to be a fake AI article, so people are already avoiding those. When yep. it should have come along so gradually that they had a few years of that working before mm. it stopped working. So I don't know what's going to happen now. I was thinking the other day, and you guys tell me if you agree, is the best use for AI in the modern world to make AI dungeon masters for Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that kick ass? I mean, yeah. I I feel like there's games that have systems for this. I wonder if applying explicitly like a language learning model to it would be useful. <laughs> I think it would because one of the things I was, one of the criticisms I've heard about Baldur's Gate 3, and I think it's fair, even though I think it is a good game, is that it lacks the thing that you want out of a tabletop Dungeons and Dragons game, which is you being able to talk the DM into letting you do something that they hadn't anticipated. Yeah. And I think that you could get an AI to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. 
I think part of the issue is that these uh, chat GPT style models keep growing. Um, mm-hmm. Like one of the things mentioned in this article is that GPT-4 has decli- has been declining in accuracy uh, because it's... Wait, the accuracy of it has been declining? Yes. Or it has been declining things that it knows are inaccurate? No, no. The accuracy of the responses have been has been declining yes Um, that makes sense to me because people uh, keep feeding it misinformation uh, yeah um but because it it is still like a changing and growing model like the data set is changing Mm -hmm. so uh especially as more stuff is generated by these models then you're getting like a photocopy of a photocopy Mm-hmm. So you'd have to have like a good uh language parser like a a good set for your for your AI DM to pull from. In a weird way it's kind of funny how AIs are mimicking human aging where as you get older you get less able to discern fake news and then you start sharing <laughs> you know Fox News articles on your Facebook feed. Mm, that's true. I don't. I don't even want to give them credit for that. Uh, I don't want to make them even seem like the stupidest boomer because I think that it is a complete discredit to human intelligence that we even call this type of thing AI. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's pretty funny that for so long, for like my whole life, I feel like people have been talking about artificial intelligence as like once we can build a machine that can think like a person or whatever, and then we blew the phrase artificial intelligence on basically like autofill text generators yeah yeah well that's the thing everyone gets too excited like people are mad that those um uh segues without handlebars were called hoverboards it's like if we Mm -hmm. ever get hoverboards you've already named it this dumb thing which can't even leave the ground Ugh. yep yeah it's 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 all very frustrating because like, it's a fun sci-fi concept, but whenever people are like, well, what if there's a computer that can be so complex? I'm like, no. Yeah. Because it doesn't, like... And you just know when they invent real hoverboards, your grandma's going to get you a hoverboard for Christmas, and it's going to be one of the ones with wheels, and then you're like, god exactly. damn it, grandma. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that, like, being a living, thinking being is not just about computing things, it's also about being a physical sensor in the actual chemical world yeah. mm-hmm. um and like that's not something you can easily replicate with a computer especially not when you are only having the computer take input and output in the form of calculations that's why i think gming is the best use for ai because they only really need to have input and output from the already yep. imagined world yeah it's true. I read a thing about uh, maybe the only good use for AI is to generate things for NPCs to play in a game. Mm. Uh, to say, in a game. Um, and, like, you could... They talked about it. It was quite complicated. But, like, you could talk to them and they wouldn't have much to say, maybe. But if you gave them some things, they could maybe drop into a conversation. They were talking about it as, like, a detective game, that type of thing. Yeah. And I could see that working. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think gaming is the real answer here. Like yeah. games could use AI as it exists now in a way that would be good. And oh man, 
maybe it will. Maybe in five years, this will be the new thing in gaming. That would be cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that that application of using specifically large language models to enhance the uh, the experience of like an immersive sim or like an RPG or something is going to happen. But mm-hmm. similar to, uh, I mean, arguably procedurally generated environments are also AI. Uh, by the kind of loose definition we use, like yeah. you mentioned, Matt. But, like, yeah. that already exists in a lot of games and still requires a lot of fine-tuning by uh, human designers to make sure that everything fits together correctly. And usually yeah. the best ones are, like, it's human-designed areas that are then fit together in a procedurally generated way. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there could be a way in which the the new types of machine learning that we understand could be better applied in video games. Like like Louisa was talking about where her character ran off a cliff just because she clicked on the bridge. Like, that is what people want out of an AI, is for the character to be smart enough to know, like, oh, wait, if I do that, I will die. And I just feel like even now... NPCs or like the party members you're not directly controlling in a game often will just do something where you're like, no human would ever do that. Yeah. A human would care about whether their character died or not, and this clearly does not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, that would be that would be the greatest if the whole of this AI craze settled down, and the only thing that came out of it was people being like. Oh, we could use this to make our video games fun. <laughs> oh, if only. That's the dream. As long as they don't try to do what all of the soulless 4chan dweebs want and eliminate actual artists from the process, that's fine by me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real shame because the AI-generated art stuff could be cool. It is cool that you would be able to be like, Hey, I want I want this I want art for this concept I have in my head, but I don't want to have to pay the full price for an artist to mock something up because I'm not sure if I want it or not yet. Like if there was a way in which an artist themselves could create an AI bot of their own style and then you pay them a lesser fee to just have like a mm. automatically generated thing of theirs mm. that could be cool yeah it's such a complicated <laughs> thing it's it's tough too because so many weirdos who are like this is it it's finally happening went mask off and they're like ah now art is no longer gate kept by all those rich and selfish artists and it's like <laughs> what what do you think is going on in the world do you think that's yeah. the problem yeah oh yeah. man yeah during this uh the whole writer strike thing anytime i see i've been getting into a bad habit of anytime i see someone commenting on an instagram post like oh who cares about this strike these people are too rich or whatever instead of trying to combat their obviously bad faith argument i just say okay so who do you think should get the money generated by movies and tv Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Is it working? They don't, they don't have a response for it. Yeah. Someone responded yeah. like, you're missing my point. What I'm saying is I don't care. I was like, <laughs> okay, if you don't care, why did you comment? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... I, I, it's, I, I think that the, any talking points about 
about this. Like, oh, we can replace art. Like, okay, what if an artist doesn't want their art as part of the model? Should they be allowed to opt out? Then that person is forced to either say no, they shouldn't be allowed to, and reveal that they actually don't care about uh, an individual's rights to their own creations, or they say yes, they should be able to opt out and uh, like immediately undermine the fact that none of the models allow that. <laughs> it's not a man entitled to the sweat of his own brow. The man in Washington says no, it belongs to the government. Yep. Etc. But not in rapture. Can you imagine so anyway, rapture are... for rapture for painters? <laughs> rapture for like a guy who wants to sculpt things out of clay. I mean that that is a part of the game. They do do that in the game. Yeah, but part of the reason it goes bad is because of all the genetic freaks who wanted to do uh, you know, gene therapy to shoot fireballs out of your hands. Yeah, well, that is something I'm in favor of the government <laughs> regulating, I guess is what I'm saying. I agree. Atlas Shrugged was about. <laughs> yeah. The game oh, The game man. is just a game of Atlas Shrugged, like, taking it to its logical conclusion. Yeah, I know that. I was making a joke about the X-Men thing you're saying being what the plot of Atlas Shrugged was. Mm, Colossus Shrugged. <laughs> there we go. Is that anything? Is that a joke? There's probably an X-Men named Atlas. Almost certainly. <laughs> There's gotta be. Yeah, it's probably Greek. Uh, they always do that in comics where they're like, "All right, we need to make a character, and they need to be named Ajax." Let's go absolutely root one, no imagination whatsoever. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he's gonna have strappy sandals. He's gonna have one of those helmets <laughs> with the fin, in the and their secret of it. identity is gonna be like Alexander Jacksopolis. Jackson, <laughs> Ale- Andrew Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dumb but true i mean i remember like colossus was introduced as part of a diversity push where they were like Mm -hmm. we're gonna have a we're gonna have a russian x-man and a canadian x-man and a black Mm -hmm. x-man like these are all the different types of people Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay all right well thanks everyone for listening to the show (laughs) if you liked it please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice and please uh, tell a friend about the show so that they can subscribe and then they can watch and write and review us write a review for us on their podcatcher of choice and so on into infinity (laughs) and beyond and beyond as our hero tim allen said (laughs) john toy story Mm -hmm. um if you want to get in touch with us you can find us on x I always want to say Twitter, but it's X, no, I guess. it's Twitter still. Don't okay. Don't believe his I lies. Mean, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter, but you probably shouldn't. But if you want to, we're on there, at HackTheNetPod. Um, we're also around. I'm on Blue Sky at Matt Heron. Uh, and you can join our Discord if you want to, and then you can talk to us directly, and that's probably the best way to chat with us, because every week now we are getting people commenting on what we said, and we have a little chat, and it's great. Yeah, you can add me at, on Letterboxd or Steam. I'm Jeff JK. Um, I think that's weaponizedlanguage.com has old episodes of this show and other shows I've made and uh, other shows that Louisa and Matt have been on uh, either mm-hmm. together or separately with me. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> okay. You can talk to me on Mastodon at Louisa at mastodon.xyz and I also have another podcast I don't mention it enough but I have a podcast where I talk about food with a friend who also likes to talk about food 
And that is called No Substitutions, Please. Yes. All right. What? Oh, what? I was just going to endorse it, say it's a fun one. Oh, Noah has a fun accent. <laughs> <laughs> and they talk about tomato abominations, apparently. Well, no, it doesn't like tomatoes, so I'm the one holding. See? The- you're the wrong ah! one. <laughs> you're the wrong one all along. Yeah, I'm. I'm keeping the home fires burning for eating tomatoes, which seems like a weird thing to have to do, but I am. Yeah. I'm gonna do it. It's a it's a weird hill to die on, but I guess if you want to, mm-hmm. tomatoes are good. Yes, you're part of the mainstream tomato media. Yep. Yeah, big right. big tomato over here. Mm-hmm. Yep. How did you know my high school nickname? <laughs> I was very ruddy in high school, you guys. Mm-hmm. And you were in the mafia. Yes. <laughs> you buried big the Mad- right. Big Maddie Tomato. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, actually. Anyway, all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this show. Um, please come back next week. In the meantime, do not forget to keep your pockets on Shrek. Do not read a single comment ever. I'm the best around. Thank you.